0: coming up now on Established in the Faith. If the apostle, if the prophet, if the evangelist, if the pastor, if the teacher is not giving you Jesus Christ and Him crucified as the answer, as the foundation, then what you're listening to is a bunch of junk. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4. And before we read that, let me just take a minute and thank all of you within the sanctuary here at the church, in the parking lot, those of you listening by radio, the internet, those of you that get CDs. Thank you all so very, very much for your support of Friendship Church, and Established in the Faith. I strive to seek the Lord each week as to what He would desire and want. We strive to give to the Christian public a balanced scriptural diet each week whereby the person can grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And you are a part of that. When you give to friendship, when you give to established in the faith, you are offering an opportunity. You are supporting that which is of God. You are supporting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our mission. That is our purpose. To give to the Christian public as far out as the signal will go help others grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. And there are several means by which the Lord uses today. And you can read that in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Beginning with the apostles first... There are all kinds of thoughts as to what an apostle is. Someone said that an apostle is only one who has seen the Lord, which restricts it right on down to biblical times. And they say that there are no apostles today. I don't know about all of that, but I will say this. Every one of the positions that come after the apostle the evangelist, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher. All of these must preach and teach that which came from the original apostles. We must preach that which is of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and not that which is of Moslow, Floyd, and Rogers. Are you listening to me? Glory to God. But we must preach that which is written in the word which is founded on the apostles. Secondly, you have the prophets. A prophet is a preacher of righteousness. A prophet is one who will expound upon end time events. A prophet may have the gift of prophecy. The prophet may be able to tell you what's coming around the corner. Okay, But the Bible also warns us as it pertains to the prophet, if they prophesy, something and it doesn't come to pass then you don't need to be listening to them no more the apostle the prophet the evangelist the evangelist is one whom god has anointed to preach a message of salvation to bring in the lost and there's a special anointing there upon that individual to do just that next you have the pastor The pastor is the leader of the church if you will but understanding Jesus Christ is the head he's the leader but the pastor is the one who oversees things that are going on in the church so we have the apostle the prophet the evangelist the pastor the teacher the teacher is one who expounds upon the word one who knows the word of God they can explain the word of God all These positions in the church, ladies and gentlemen, they are very, very important. And if you look there in verse 12, these positions, God uses them for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints. See, nobody's perfect, no one will ever be perfect, but you can grow to a level of maturity In the Lord. And God uses these positions in the church, in the body of Christ. It's for the maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry. Some people think that the work of the ministry is just for preachers. It's not. It's for all of us. All of us are to strive to be a servant to meet the needs of others, particularly the spiritual needs. Of others, And that spiritual need is Jesus Christ and what he did at Calvary. For the edifying of the body of Christ, that's to build up the church. A spiritual building up of the church. Not so much numbers as it has to do with the building up of your faith. Verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith. When Paul used that term, the faith... He was always referring to Christ and what he did for us at the cross. Your faith must be in that and that exclusively. For salvation, for sanctification, and for everything else that you need. Till we grow in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. If I was to pull out the spiritual tape measure today, where do you measure up to the stature of Christ? Some of you are a couple inches short. You know, well thank God, Brother James, I know some folks that are a couple feet short. I know some people that <laughs> they're a couple yards a couple yards short. To measure the stature, of the fullness of Christ. Verse fourteen: That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the sleight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of junk out there, and I could spend a lot of time talking about all the junk that's out there in Christianity today. But let me just sum it all up and bring it down, make it real simple for you. If the apostle, if the prophet, if the evangelist, if the pastor, if the teacher is not giving you Jesus Christ and him crucified as the answer, as the foundation, then what you're listening to is a bunch of junk. Bottom line. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. All of us come under the leadership of Christ and we're all members in his body. We represent Christ in this world. Verse 16 from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted. It's not the preacher's job to put a church together and try to build the church and in increase numbers. That's God's business. God's the one who puts this thing together. He adds to the church such as needs to be. Fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Look at that little phrase there. God uses you. He uses your talent. He uses your ability. He uses your education. He even uses your weakness. He uses that which you struggle with. God uses all of this in the body of Christ. According to, again, verse 16, middle way. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. The effectual working is the power of the Holy Spirit that is working in your heart and life. And the measure that you yield to the Holy Spirit, His leading and guidance, is the measure in which God can use you in someone else's life. That's the effectual Working, maketh increase of the body into the edifying of itself in love. That is real church growth. Everybody coming together to help one another. And Hezekiah, when he came to the throne of the southern kingdom of Israel, he sent letters to all of Israel, both the northern and southern kingdom, inviting them to come and celebrate the Passover. And in the context of these letters that he wrote, he told the people, and God moved upon him as he wrote. The northern kingdom had just been carried away into Assyria, most of them had. The people were hurting because they had lost a loved one. And in the midst of that letter, the letter said, If you will return to the Lord, the Lord will move upon the hearts of your captors. Cause them to have compassion. And they will be allowed to come home to you. But the people, the Bible says that they laughed and they mocked. Why is it that the heart of man is against God to such an extent that it is? We dealt with much of that last week. But this is what was written in the letters, and there are some, not many. The Bible says that diverse ones from Asher and Manasseh, verse 11 of Second Chronicles 30, they humbled themselves and they came. Same letter. As Hezekiah gave these people the opportunity, most laughed and mocked, but some few accepted and came. What is it in the heart of man that... Causes such. How is it that two people can ride in a car down the road and listen to the same sermon, but one will give their heart to the Lord while the other one rejects it? How can that happen? In the book of Genesis, we read about two sons, Jacob and Esau. They were twin brothers. Born just minutes apart. Esau was born and and, and right on his heels was the hand of Jacob. Esau had the birthright which had to do with the coming Messiah. And both of these boys were raised in a Christian home. And Esau could not care less about his birthright. He didn't care about God. But Jacob did, and he wanted that birthright, and he would do anything to get it, and he did. Esau went out hunting one day. Been out hunting all day long, and Jacob made a pot of stew. Had the whole house stinking up. And Esau come in hungry. I want me a pot of that stew. And Jacob said, you can have, you can have your bowl of it. If you'll sell me this day, your birthright. Esau said, what good is that birthright to me? You can have it. And Esau sold that which has eternal consequences for that which is temporary. How many untold millions of people from then until now are selling out? Selling out that which has eternal consequences to it. For that which is temporary. How is it that two people, twins, raised in the same Christian home. One turned his back on God and the other one turned to God. How can that be? I don't have the answers to all of that. But I can tell you that free will plays a part in it. Free will. God will never violate your free will of choice. But Satan takes advantage of it every day. There are untold millions of people in this country right now. Where Satan overrides their will. There are many who want to stop drinking. They want to stop smoking. They want to stop their drugs. They, want to, they truly down inside. They want to stop whatever sinful vice you can mention here today. They want to stop. But the powers of darkness takes advantage of the sin nature. And they can't stop. They can't quit. And Satan overrides their will. God will not override your will. He'll deal with you, He'll give you the opportunity. Are you listening to me? But He's not going to force the issue. Free will of choice. You might not be able to say no to sin. But every human being has the ability to say yes to Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? Glory to God. You might not be able to say no to sin. It's more powerful than you are. But you can say yes to Jesus Christ. And when you do. That opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to come inside, bind up that sin nature that's in you. And He'll change your heart. He'll change your life. He's changed millions. And the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 30, verse 12, that the Lord gave them one heart. One heart. To do the commandment of the king and of the princes by the word of the Lord. Only God can put a desire in your heart to keep his word. God can do it. And then the Bible says in verse 13 that they assembled at Jerusalem. It's important for God's people to assemble. Let me say that. Let me preach over here. I need to preach outside a minute. It's important for God's people to assemble. Are you listening to me? Hebrews 10:25 Not Forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching, the day of Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ coming back. He's coming back soon. Now is not a time for God's people to be slacking off, sitting at home, going to Walmart on Sunday morning and doing God knows whatever else. When the church door is open, you need to have your butt in the pew listening to the Word of God and whatever talent, ability, education or whatever God has given you you need to bring it into this house because there are others here that need what you got oh help me Lord I'm going to preach something in love I try to preach everything in love Every one of you out here in this parking lot, you've got something that we need inside the sanctuary. Every one of you in here, you've got something that the people out there need. There are churches right now that are divided over this issue. Some churches have quit having inside, they're all outside. Some are all inside and none outside. Brother James, what are you going to do? As long as that transmitter's working, we're going to transmit to this parking lot. Because there are people out here that have a need. Just like there are people in here that have a need. We're going to transmit as far as the Will go. And if the Lord opens up the door for us to go on radio in another state, we're going. We're going to do it as you support it, as God moves on you and puts that desire in your heart to support it. All right. Verse 13, the Bible says, They came to the feast, they came to church to feast. And I believe when you come to church, you should come to church to feast. The problem is a lot of people are going to church and they're feasting on cotton candy and cream puffs and cookies and and cupcakes. Oh, let me tell you something. When you come to friendship, you're going to get some collards. And you're going to get some rutabagas. And you're going to get some fried chicken. And you're going to get some steak. When you come here to Friendship Church, you're going to get fed. And I'm not talking about materialistic. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. Well, what did they feast on? Three feasts were celebrated this week on the Passover. Unleavened bread lasted for seven days bread didn't have any leaven in it. Nothing impure was in it that caused the, bed to, the bread to rise. It, no yeast in it. The feast of unleavened bread lasted seven days. It typified the perfect life of Christ. When you come to church, you need to hear about Jesus Christ and His perfect life. Secondly, on the 14th day, of the second month, the Lamb was slain. typifying the death of Christ they were to eat it with bitter herbs the bitter herbs typifies the bondage that Israel was in in Egypt the bitterness of the lifestyle they were in but it also typifies the bitterness that Jesus suffered for us on Calvary they were to kill the lamb partake of the lamb Eat it with bitter herbs. That's the Passover feast. And then there was the feast of first fruits. Which was at the end of the week. It typified the resurrection of Christ. When you go to church, you should come to church to feast. If what you're feasting on ain't what I've just mentioned. The perfect life of Christ. His death on Calvary and resurrection. Then you're feasting on a bunch of junk. All right. Then the Bible says, verse 14, 2 Chronicles 30, they arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. And all the altars for incense took they away and cast them into the brook Kedron. These were false gods, where they were offer up incense to a false god, idols. You say, Well, Brother James, there ain't no idols in my life. I hope that's the case. I hope that's a true statement. But anything that comes between you and God is an idol. And that can be a person, it can be, it could be a job, it could be a car, it could be a house. Anything that takes you away from God, anything that you spend more time doing. Then you do, God, that's an idol. But God will identify the idol and it has to be addressed. It has to be dealt with. God will put that in your heart. He will address that. They took away the altars and they cast them into the brook Kedron. The brook Kedron ran red with blood constantly. As the sacrifices were offered up daily. And the blood would run down that altar in conduits and it would run down to the brook and they did away with these idols, these altars. Took it down to the brook Kedron where the blood of the lamb could wash over it. You want to know how to get rid of your idol today, whatever it may be, it's only through and by the blood of the lamb. I hope and pray that the Lord has said something to you has spoken to your heart today. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252 299